0: Coming up on Home Dunk, one of the greatest athletes of all time is currently active. Are you watching her? Plus, uh, some stuff about the Super Bowl that I, as a Seattle fan, am struggling with, and a visit from a very important Cleveland Cavalier.
1: I a home dunk. I wish that you were show. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. I hit did a handstand, I hit a grand slam. It was a great day for the fans. Man, I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESPN Classic. And you weren't there, and it hurt me to watch
0: them retire my jersey. I hit a home dunk. Hello, Dunkaroos. We are in the month of February. February. February, it's February, I'm John Moe, John moe Uh and we're going to talk about sports here on Home Dunk, and joining me as sometimes happens, writer, performer, bon vivant, Mike Fotis. Hello, Mike. Hey, John, how's it going? It's going, uh, uh, it's going okay. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as you may or may not know, listeners, I am a, a Seattle Seahawks fan and so i i'm i've got some uh it's been a weird week
2: that was, that was a rough 30 seconds it was a rough 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> yeah that was a lot that was a really fast roller coaster of emotions man i'm sorry
0: well you know going into the game i didn't i i really had convinced myself that i was going to be fine either way and of course we're going to be fine either way we're not affected by football but uh i i thought emotionally i would be intact because The team won last year, and if they win, great. And if they don't, well, that's fine too.
2: Were you thinking of it like icing on the cake? Getting two?
0: A little bit, yeah. I mean, I I would I remember last year during the during Super Bowl forty-eight, I was all through the game, I was texting my sister and I was texting all these friends, (laughs) and everybody was like going crazy. And and this year I, I asked my mom, I said, are people as excited about it? She said, oh, they're twice as excited. But I just don't think that's true. Really? Because I think people get used to it a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, maybe like in year four or five. In year
0: four or five, I know. <laughs> I don't know, year two. Year two, yeah, well, they get jaded pretty easily in Seattle. But no, I, I really thought that that I would be fine regardless um, because I do believe in the, the three-year rule, which is if your team wins a championship, you don't get to complain about them for three years.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And after I think that's that super fair
0: after that you can argue about the coach and the GM and the everything that they do, you can call them idiots. But they, they they're not idiots for three years.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's totally legit. Yeah. For three years you get a little bit of a window where you could do whatever you want to do.
0: Right. And if they win it again during those three years, then then it resets. Does
2: it reset? I think it does. I think that kind of depends on the area. Really? Like I think maybe Seattle's willing to give that to you, but I almost think like there are some sections of the country where it's like you win a championship, you get a year, uh-huh. and that <laughs> yeah, that, back to that might it. be
0: what's happening in Boston right now. Yeah, I think yeah. so.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, and and
0: also like I was conscious of, of the idea that you know if my team loses. No one's going to want to hear me mope about it. You, Mike, as a Chicago Bears fan, don't want to hear It's like complaining that your Jaguar only goes 110 miles an hour
2: instead of 115. I did love it. Like, I I immediately went to Facebook afterwards just to see some of my friends. Like, (laughs) you know, and some people were like pretty, like, oh, good game. I'm a little bit heartbroken, but my life's going to move on. And then there were other people, Seattle fans, who I'm friends with, who had a much. They maybe should have stepped away from social media for half an hour yeah. and just given it a break. It was
0: it, with social media, you can observe all the Kubler Ross stages of dealing with death all at once. Yeah. You know, there's anger and denial and grief and acceptance
2: <laughs> all happening. I will put it this way when the Bears were in the Super Bowl, I think it was in 2005 against the Colts, we had a lit watching party. And they set up a separate room for me and my buddy Josh because we – they knew we were going to be pretty emotional and pretty wow, into it. A and safe we, room. Yeah, and we yeah. might have to go into another room just to let out some steam <laughs> where wow. people weren't going – and it, and we needed it. I didn't need it as much as my buddy. Did. Yeah, he lost it.
0: Well, I had, you know, I've I have kids too, so I, I was conscious of having to model uh, correct fan behavior oh, sure. to them and uh, and teach the children well, like Crosby Stills and Nash told me to do, and uh, and it was, they, fortunately, they're just not as into sports okay. as I am, <laughs> and so they were completely okay over a result that
2: would have had me at their their age just <laughs> sobbing for a week. I watched the game at Disney World. And here's why. <laughs> oh my God. Here's why I bring it up. Yeah. Well, I watched the last second half. I didn't watch the first half. Yeah. Um and I was we watched it at a poolside resort. It was just the greatest, but that's not the point of this conversation. (laughs) I was sitting, my girlfriend and I were sitting next to a bunch of Bears fans who happened to be watching it. And then to my right were a bunch of Patriots fans, Ah. and to my left were a bunch of Seahawks fans. Oh, boy. And it became progressively more and more tense as we got down to the last few minutes. And I will just, I'm not going to make a huge generalization here. Yeah. But the Seahawks fans who were in Orlando, Florida, were much more cool and chill about About things and the Patriots fans. I was I started rooting for the Patriots with about thirty seconds left in the game because I honestly was like, Oh, oh, if the Patriots lose, these guys are gonna look for someone to beat up. John, I don't know if you know this about me, I am the guy who gets spotted. Really? At the bar, no matter what I'm doing. If someone
0: needs a punching, it's going to be you? Oh, yeah.
2: It doesn't matter. Like I could be looking down. You don't seem like you (laughs) caused trouble, though. For whatever reason, somebody makes eye contact with me, and they're a little (laughs) bit drunk, and I am going to be the release of all of their tensions. Wow. So I will say that I was- relieved that the Patriots
0: you were going to get punched uh, by someone named Sully before yeah,
2: too long. I had no horse in the race. In fact, as I was rooting for Seattle because of you more than anything because I was like, well, I know John's rooting for the yeah. Seahawks. That's about That That was about the horse I had in the race with it. Yeah. But I switched over. But,
0: yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you did. Not getting punched is a, is a much more solid reason for you to, to root for a particular team. Well, let's talk about the end of that game, which is, of course, where uh, Russell Wilson threw an interception. Oof. Uh, from the one yard line and uh, sealed the game for the Patriots. It looked like all they would have to do is hand it to Marshawn Lynch, because he is a freight train uh, fueled by candy and uh, <laughs> by skittles. By skittles and uh, and they would have won the game. And you have Chris Collinsworth on NBC saying it's the the worst call he's ever seen that they didn't just hand hand Marshawn the ball.
2: I um I I rarely agree with Chris Collinsworth on yeah. things. I. I was shocked when it happened. When the interception happened, I was like, "Well, was I not paying attention? Right. Maybe it was. Maybe it was fourth down. No, second you know, and down. maybe there were no timeouts. Like that's what I said. I looked yeah. over to my girlfriend. I was like, 'Cause I would. I honestly think I've thought about this a lot, John. Yeah, they should have. They should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I'm so, sorry. There's <laughs> just no, There's no other way around it. Well,
0: there's simply no other way around it. They should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch, and it's been It's been a few days to me because it's it's like the difference between uh, somebody uh, dying of an illness and somebody just being hit by a meteorite from space for me Okay. Okay. because it's this improbable sudden uh, collapse. And I've been. I have been really interested in this article that a guy named Benjamin Morris wrote on 538, which is a yeah, statistical thing. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it here and see if it makes sense out loud. And what I'm interested in is whether I'm holding on to this desperately as a coping mechanism as a Seattle <laughs> Seahawks fan. So the idea is you got about 35 or so seconds, and you've, you're at uh, second down. You're at the one-yard line there have been 66 passes from the one-yard line in the NFL this year and one interception. It happened Sunday night. Uh, So therefore, going into that moment, there was no reason to think that an interception would happen, statistically speaking. Also, if you score with 36 seconds to go, you're giving New England back the ball with a chance to... uh, to have the greatest uh, distance kicker in the NFL, and Gustowski kick a field goal to, to help New England win the game. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to burn off some time. Now, if you run the ball twice, then the, if you run it on second down and you don't get in, and you run it on third down and you don't get in, then you won't have time to run it for fourth down. You'll be out of time. You'll lose. Uh-huh. But if you have an incomplete pass, if you burn it down, basically, then you have time to reset without... You know, the 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 timeout is implicit. You have time to reset, get everybody ready to go, make a plan, mm-hmm. and then send your Marshawn Lynch barreling through, having shaved off a few seconds in the process.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: How... Now, I... I read this, and I have confirmation bias because I, I want the world to have made sense, and I and I also do believe that the information that you have after a thing is different than the information you have before a thing. I I, I posted this article on Facebook, and and someone said, "Oh well, even Pete Carroll knows that he should have uh, run Marshawn," and I said, "Everybody knows he should have run Marshawn, but nobody knew that." going into that decision
2: all right i will say this i have no <laughs> doubt that the patriots would have scored in one had they got at this had seattle punched it in yes like of course that's because they have happen, football right? jesus playing yeah them. kind of yeah right so let's just assume that that's probably what's going to happen right you still hand the ball to Marshall Lynch and let him score yeah or you want to pass that's a great idea don't pass where. All the players are. (laughs) He threw the ball (laughs) where all the players were just. A bunch of guys were. There was Yeah, okay, so maybe there haven't been any interceptions. He guaranteed there was gonna be an interception. I like Russell Wilson. That's great. But that was that was a it was a boneheaded play call. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that you're feeling pain, but there should have been a play action, roll out, do anything other than throw it See, to where everyone is.
0: Here's what always gets me about sports. It's like that moment uh, like this is among the reasons I could never be a, a baseball pitcher. Chief among them is lack of athletic ability. <laughs> Secondarily is the psychological uh nuance of it which is okay i'm pitching the batter is expecting uh, a fastball inside so i'm gonna throw a change up outside but then he's gonna think that of course i'm expecting a fastball inside and of course this pitcher is gonna throw it out there so maybe i really should and then i'm just standing out there on the mound for hours until somebody just
2: until my mom comes and gets me and brings me home it's paralysis analysis like yeah. i feel bad Carroll was trying to outcoach Belichick. Like that's why Belichick is worth it. Belichick won that game because Pete Carroll was looking across the sidelines, thinking Belichick's got got me. But, I, I really do. Do, think do that. they
0: have? But did they have time to think of that, or do, do they just have this moment to think? Well, we've got to we've got to use up some time. Uh, if I throw it, no big deal. Nobody will ever. Inter- the the odds of that happening are extremely low. Mm. Whereas. Uh, according to this article in 538, it was Belichick who who blew the call. Maybe this is why I just have such fondness for this. <laughs> it was Belichick who blew the call by not calling a timeout. I was wondering about that while yeah. I was watching. and so it burned down, and so then he was giving his quarterback 12 seconds less to work with or whatever it was.
2: Yeah, I think my feeling on it really still remains give the ball to Marshawn Lynch because <laughs> you have Marshawn Lynch. It's yeah. not, It's not just a running play, John. It's a smashing play. Well, yeah, you have Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. You have the best running back in the league. And you're one yard away from come a on, touchdown. Come on. Yeah. Run it in. I'm really sorry that your team lost. I that's am supposed too. to be really hard. That's not that hard. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I,
0: I was so... Uh, the thing about rooting for uh, sports teams that tend to not be very good is that you learn to get really good at your team losing. And if my team is like playing a, a big game and then they lose, first of all, I expected it. So the world is, is back to an orderly place. <laughs> and secondly, I'm relieved about not having to worry about it anymore. I was, I was on uh, one of the local stations here and I said, it's, it's like somebody dying after a long illness. Like it's sad, but at least, you know, they're at peace and then you can leave the hospital and get on with, with other things.
2: The mind of a sports fan is so warped to me because I totally understand what you're saying. You know what, what I'm saying. talking about. I totally understand yeah. what you're saying.
0: All right. Well, so uh so I thought we'd do something, Mike, this week where, where we uh where we approve or disapprove <laughs> of Yeah. So uh I'm going to approve of Pete Carroll's decision making <laughs> Given the circumstances that he was faced at the time. All right. And uh, are you going to approve or dis I think you're going to disapprove because just hand it to Marshawn Lynch.
2: Yeah, totally disapprove.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's a split vote.
2: Um, he let- does have great hair, though, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Like, if nothing else, yeah. he's got that. He won the Super Bowl of hair.
0: <laughs> there were so many other factors Going on with this one, too, because after the, the Green Bay game, which the Seahawks had no business winning but but did, um, Russell Wilson said, you know, those four interceptions I threw, that was God doing that. God was responsible because he wanted to—it wasn't the massive blow to the head from Clay Matthews that right, he had received yeah. moments before. And uh, someone asked Aaron Rodgers about that from the Green Bay Packers, and Rodgers said, yeah, I don't think God follows football.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I really like that Aaron Rodgers <laughs> fella. I got to be honest with you.
0: And I'm like, yeah, between those two quarterbacks, you know, I got— I, 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 I don't want to be disloyal to my own guy, but
2: yeah. Hey, how does it? How do you think it feels to be the Seahawks receiver who made one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history? And now you're
0: a footnote. Yeah, you're a Jermaine footnote. Curse. Yeah, that was yeah. a
2: great catch. Yeah, that was unbelievable. How does it
0: feel to be the the receiver who could have had the big? catch in both the championship game and the Super Bowl, because he was the one who caught it in overtime against Green Bay. You're right. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter said, I would throw Jermaine Curse a baby and not worry about it, (laughs)
2: because he's going to
0: catch that baby. Um, The Atlanta Hawks, turning to the NBA, have finally lost. They had a 19-game winning streak going into Monday night's contest against the Pelicans which are a basketball team. That's amazing. Uh, so in a battle of Hawks versus Pelicans, which I think we would all love to see with some binoculars, uh, the Atlanta Hawks finally lost, but they're they are they're now dominant. They're, they're one of the best teams in the league still. We, we've talked about this before, and I still don't get it.
2: You, they really are, but, I mean, everybody knows you want to you break a streak, go up against the Pelicans. They're going <laughs> to crush that streak. <laughs> all right, so now, now I want to play a little round of
0: Atlanta Hawk or guy I went to high school with. All right. So I'm going to give you some names. You tell me if they're a member of the Atlanta Hawks or somebody that I, John Moe, went to high school with. All right. Mike Muscala. Uh, he's an Atlanta Hawk. He is an Atlanta Hawk. All right. John Jenkins. He
2: <laughs> went to high school with him.
0: He is an Atlanta Hawk. Deano Diano Garcia. You went to high school with him? Yeah, he was the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Payne. Oh, no, he's a basketball player. He's, he's on the Hawks. He is on the Hawks. You're doing pretty well. Jeff Sabado.
2: Sabado. No, you went to high school with him. I
0: went to high school with Jeff. Dennis Schrader. You went to high school with him. He is an Atlanta Hawk. He's a point guard. He had 19 minutes in that game. No kidding. Yeah. He's
1: probably the only guy named Dennis in the NBA.
0: I think is the only guy with an umlaut in his name. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, Robert McPherson.
2: Uh, uh, he's a hawk Mm. went to high school right
0: right down the middle and you are a person who follows the NBA closely
2: I am but is, I, I will admit that I follow the entity of the team more than more than the players at times. This this is I mean, this is what's amazing to me
0: about uh about the success of this team is because they they really could put anybody out there yeah. on the court and I would not know.
2: I and honestly I don't blame myself on this one because nobody has thought about the Atlanta Hawks in years. Right. I mean I think it's great. But, yeah. you know, individually, I don't know who's going to know about them.
0: Yeah. When you were in Orlando, was there, did people have Orlando magic fever? Yeah, I was really? getting, Well, no,
2: not fever. I almost texted you <laughs> to let you know that I found the only, the only uh, Orlando magic fan that I've ever seen. Really? Like legit, like. Like he feels it in totally his heart. totally done it out with Orlando magic gear. And I was like, wow, I've never seen that ever. Uh, So is uh, how do you what do
0: you do as as an excited Orlando Magic? I guess you just go to the game and yell a lot. I guess you go to the game. Yeah, Yeah, but but, like the glory days seem to have gone a long time ago with Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, Dennis Scott.
1: Yeah. Oh, Dennis Scott. Dennis Dennis, Dennis, Scott, remember him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Atlanta Hawks approve. Yeah, I totally approve of that. Okay, double approval. All right, uh, and then let's uh, let's turn to golf here. Tiger Woods. Hmm. Tiger Woods. He's playing in a golfing tournament this weekend at Torrey Pines. And he goes into this tournament of golf as the 56th ranked player in the world. Now, that's better at golf than you or I. <laughs> yeah. Of all golf, that is pretty great to I be. I mean,
2: I'm not 56th best at anything.
0: At anything. 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 No. So. No. So, Tiger Woods, uh, stinking it up, I, I feel bad that I kind of enjoy the fact that he's stinking it up oh I love it
2: yeah Um, and not because not because of any like fall from grace kind of thing because like whatever but I was watching the golf channel yesterday because I am the guy who does that oh okay uh, (laughs) you're why that exists yeah I (laughs) am It's really calming. If you can't sleep- Really? I totally recommend- It's like C-SPAN. T- yeah, you, yeah. You just start watching and you're like, oh, okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they were, wa- they were showing some footage of him chipping when he was in his prime doing Amazing and sewing, showing some footage of him chipping just recently. Yeah. And he was chunking stuff. Like, yeah. He was hitting it's shots the that short- I would hit, and it's that was the amazing. short
0: game that supposedly really screwed him up. It's gone. And that's what's so- baffling and i assume psychological because shouldn't if, it, if it's not a purely athletic feat shouldn't you get better and better at it all the time as you get older
2: you would think because you're it's not all that taxing it's it's precision well you have to swing more slowly with control Mm. And the few times in my life I've golfed, that's really hard to do. Yeah, and he's just—it's all in his head, and I think that's great. I don't know why, but I'm just like, <laughs> wow. It may, maybe it makes it more human, like all the things that have happened to him. I'm still like, Meh. Yeah. but like now knowing that he also has trouble with his short game, I'm like, oh. I get that. Like, now Tiger Woods and we, I, w- if we ran into each other at the grocery store, would have something to commiserate right. about.
0: Do you empathize with him or are you glad that he's suffering?
2: I'm glad he's suffering because that
0: allows me to empathize with him. Oh, so he's be- become more human. Yeah, he's immortal now. I, I don't know. I feel the same way about Tiger Woods as I do Justin Bieber because he is a monster that we have created. Yeah. Like, he was not to be part of society, but he was raised to be a golfer and he was excellent at it.
2: He doesn't have a lot of friends, right? Like no. Everything I've read on the tour is people don't like him. No, nobody has ever liked him. And, but at least he had a short game. Yeah. <laughs> and now he doesn't even have that. Yeah. Dude, that must be hard. Right. And so do I feel bad for him
0: that he never got to really learn what it is to be a person and have pals? Um, or do I not feel bad for him because he's made millions of dollars doing something that all the rest of us have to pay to do? And I think too. I mean, we've talked about this before. Our our shared background in in theater, our interest in in storytelling. I think uh, like Superman sucks as a superhero because he's just really great all the time. Yeah. But uh, it's the flawed
2: superhero. It's that's the, why people like Batman. That's why people like Batman. That's why people gravitate to Batman. The you know what it is. Superman is like The Patriots Mm. In some ways Yeah You know what I mean Like Well There's What is there to Red white and blue Yeah right, Great They have Tom Brady Yeah
0: Cool Whereas Batman I can't remember who I, I read this from Batman has all this money And decides he's gonna Fight crime all over Gotham oh, that's great. Are you going to pay for us to hire a bunch of new officers? No, I'm going to punch one mugger at a time in yeah. an alley. There's definitely different ways
2: you could have handled it. Yeah. Everybody knows that. And I would be okay with, well, who directed the last few Batmans that I really liked? Christopher uh, Nolan. Nolan yeah. I'd be okay with that alternate version of <laughs> Bruce Wayne just going into City Hall and like financially making some big right. changes. <laughs> I really I'd just, be totally yeah, fine with that movie. Yeah, just
0: don't dress up. Just uh, just share some of your wealth and start a foundation.
2: Hey, not that this is on subject, so I'm sorry about this. But Tom Brady, Tom Brady, <laughs> there's a little bit of hate for that guy, and I don't get it. Mm, well, there's the perception
0: among some that the Patriots are cheaters because of right. the deflategate and uh, right and the spying. Okay, so there's that, and then there's a sense of victimhood on the part of Patriots fans because they're saying, well, we're just so awesome that everybody's jealous and they're making up mm-hmm. things that we did wrong.
2: Right, but that doesn't really affect Tom Brady. No. That's that's sort of what my thing is. Like, Do, do you think it's just because People hate him because he's the quarterback of the Patriots. And it's not necessarily anything that he's done. I'm in a pickle because my my wife does not listen to this podcast
0: because it smells of sports. <laughs> um but a lot of my feelings are about kind of how how these guys are behaving around their significant others. There's there's Tiger Woods Tomcatting, but then there's uh with tom brady like i was with him when he was the sixth round draft sure. choice uh barely even played at michigan and then mm-hmm. uh emerged to take over for an injured drew bledsoe and and was great i'm like okay i am down with all this up until his actress girlfriend is pregnant and he dumps her while she's pregnant oh i forgot about that for Giselle bündchen a supermodel.
2: I did forget about that. That and, does sort of. And then at that the point, mold. yeah, I, I kind of it kind of wore off on me a little bit. For me it's always been kinda of like let's say we were he and I were both understudies in a production of rent. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what could happen. That, but I wanna I wanna live in a world where <laughs> rent could be in a sports podcast. <laughs> um and we're both really good pals, right? Right. And then all of a sudden the, the guy he's understudying for gets sick. Mm-hmm. And he gets in. And then he went to Tony. Right. And his career just goes off in a completely different direction. And you're sitting backstage. Right. Never uh, going on. Never going on. and Asking s- your actor how he's feeling and he's saying, you feel yeah, fine. I think that's how I've always felt about Tom Brady. Okay. Is like for... For a while, I felt a connection, and then there was a disconnect because our lives changed. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> why don't we start this one? This was on, this was on Tiger
0: Woods. Uh, I am approving of Tiger Woods uh, as a flawed, dramatic character. Yeah, totally. Total, 100% approval of him not being able to chip anymore. That's the best. <laughs> That's the best sports news we've had in a long
3: time. I get a home dunk.
0: In the past week, we've been hearing a lot about whether or not Russell Wilson should have thrown a ball, whether Bill Belichick should have called a timeout, whether Tom Brady is a god or a man. But while that's been dominating the headlines, uh, Serena Williams won the Australian Open. It was her 19th win in a major. She beat Maria Sharapova. She was fighting off a horrible cough, but she won anyway in straight sets and Steven Roderick is a writer uh who has written for Rolling Stone about Serena Williams and uh the, the odd sense of uh her not being as big of a star as really she ought to be. Hey Steven. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. So so give us a rundown uh of of Serena's accomplishments for, for somebody who doesn't follow tennis or follows it only casually.
3: Well, right now she just won her nineteenth Grand Slam, which is uh second after Steffi Grass, 20, 22. And to me, one of the amazing things about her is that she's one of those 19 while taking a couple, uh, I guess you would say earlier in his, her career, kind of walkabouts where she's taken a year off, either for injury or just to kind of recharge her batteries. So, it, you know, uh, the people who look at Serena look at her in one of two ways. One is like she's 119. That's amazing. But if she was really... Focused on tennis alone, she may have won twenty five or twenty six. And others say she's won nineteen because she's given herself these breaks, uh, at, you know, at different points in her career, and that's why still at thirty two or thirty three, she's still the number one player in the country, and not, not, yeah, not in the country, in the world.
0: I mean, we we celebrate Tom Brady winning, uh, I guess, his fourth Super Bowl, and LeBron James has won a few championships in the NBA uh is it fair to compare uh these uh, these championships that she has these 19 uh with something like that
3: I think I think it, it it's one of a couple of things one tennis is an individual sport and you know not that Tom Brady deserves a, you know need to to get a break or something but you know he's dependent on teammates and you know and the two losses to the Giants situ- you know situations that are a little bit beyond his control the great, great thing about tennis or individual sports, it's all on you. And uh, the other, other thing is, you know, I think 19 is comparable to four or five because there are four majors a year in tennis, so you have more opportunities to add to that number. But I think her achievements are as great as Tom Brady's or, or anybody else's in professional sports in the modern era.
0: Um, now, the if she isn't as celebrated as some of these other people. Is it? Uh, I, mean, I mean, I could see some of the obvious reasons tennis isn't as popular as basketball or football. Then, sure. then you factor in sexism, and then you factor in racism. Is there something beyond that that is uh, makes her less of a household name than than she otherwise would be?
3: I think I think you you, you, you kind of nailed a couple of them. I mean, all you need to know is uh, uh, I remember last week or so. Uh, waiting to watch the final uh, the quarterfinals that her sister Venus was playing those on ESPN two and they didn't get to it because uh college basketball game ran long. So it's just <laughs> the uh the viewership particularly in America is not what it is for the four major sports. It's uh she is a much bigger deal in I think Europe than she is here and you know we could have a very, very long conversation about whether it's racism or not or whether or not her father um you know it's a well told tale is that you know had been playing on the, on the on the courts of Compton from the age of five or six, and they have a very specific way of doing things and don't always play well with others, which you could argue uh you know it could be applied to Bill Belichick or someone in another sport. Um, and whether or not that's racism, or you know, some people are just off put by their single mindedness, is you know, you you could talk about for for four hours, and I'm I'm sure it, it plays a little bit into it. But now that she's reached for tennis, you know, and I'm in my late 40s, so it, it's it's kind of comical to say, say this, but at 32, 33, she's an elder stateswoman for mm-hmm. tennis. I think that people now really, really appreciate her more than they did five or 10 years ago, and they know they are watching a legend. Uh, and that, you know, in a couple years she will be done and that we should appreciate every moment we have of watching her.
0: Let's talk about uh, who Serena Williams is uh, as a person. You spent some time with her for this article in Rolling Stone. Uh, Who who did you discover?
3: Uh, You know, I discovered, you know, someone who was very funny and self-deprecating and also... Very much, you know, in, in in the way that a lot of people, whether they're musicians or athletes, who reach that level and have a single mindedness, um, are kind of cut off from the world. Not not cut off like a Howard Hughes cut off from the world, but you know, there was a moment where we were driving somewhere, and we were, and this was in Florida. We just drove down the road, and there was a sign for a bar, you know, advertising a happy hour from four to six. And she said, you know. I'd like to go to a happy hour. I've never been to a happy hour. I'd like to go to one just in my life. And there was a a few moments like that where where you realize to reach the, you know, the pinnacle of any profession, and I'm not talking about, say, the top 2%, but to literally be be the best person at what you do, maybe the best person ever, you sacrifice a lot. And um, I think one of the things with Serena is that she realizes what she has sacrificed. And, um, uh, you know, there, there would be moments of melancholy about that, just about the inability. You know, we ended up stopping to get a sandwich at Panera, and she was immediately swarmed by people. And she was like, well, this is kind of why I never go out. This is why, you know, usually I just eat lunch at home. Yeah. So, you know, these are, these are problems a lot of people would like to have, but there are sacrifices you make to be as good as she is is
0: she as focused as other top tennis players are? Because when I think of the, the the champions and not just the greatest of all time, but whoever is number one at any given moment, it seems sure. like they are singularly focused on tennis around the clock. And with Serena, you have somebody who took some time off to pursue some interest in fashion. And in your article, she's sometimes reluctant to go work out. I'm wondering if First, is she as focused as the other tennis players? And if she's not, if that's working to her advantage somehow.
3: I think I think you're right. I think it, in some oddball way, it works to her advantage. I mean, there are times even in the Australian Open where she would inexplicably drop the first set to a much lesser opponent. And there was moments, you know, when I was spending time with her where you could tell her, you know, she's on the treadmill and she's got a trainer and her coach there and she's just listening to her iPod and she's just kind of going through the motions and wondering, are we done yet? And, yeah. and I think, again, it gets back to the earlier point where the question is, you know, whether or not that has allowed her to do this for more than half of her human life or if it's held her back and lost her a couple championships, but it's clearly worked for her to the, to this degree. And I think that, a lot of tennis players, because it's a sport that, you know, there's a the very short off-season, burnout very early, uh, both physically and mentally. And I think her, in some ways, her, strangely, her lack of focus at certain times has helped her.
0: Yeah. Well, you probably couldn't maintain that level of focus until the age of, of 33, which, you know, she's still at
3: the top yeah, of the game. Yeah, she turned, she turned pro when she, oh, I, wouldn't, I would have to look this up, but I'm saying roughly at 15. So, yeah. of her life is on tour, playing tournaments, practicing every day. And if you don't allow yourself to blow off some steam, and like I was saying before, she doesn't blow off steam that much in public because it's hard to do when you're as famous as she is. If you don't just, you know, I'm not going to practice today. Um, You know, maybe it works for Michael Jordan or worked for Michael Jordan to, to have that single... Minded focus, but I've had other athletes I've talked to, and I'll give you a quick example. Grant, Grant Hill, and before before he kind of got hurt later in his career, he reached a point after six or seven years in the NBA where he said, you know, this off season, I'm not going to touch a basketball from, you know, whatever, May until September. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I came back recharged. And it's harder to do that in tennis because they expect you to play 35, 40 tournaments, and it becomes a much bigger deal if you're like, you know, I'm going to skip the next eight tournaments, and everyone starts wondering, are you losing your mind are you losing your focus? do you you know do you just not want to play anymore? But I think you know having a walkabout every once in a while has been has been good for her yeah,
0: it's a lesson for you kids out there. Make sure <laughs> not to be too focused. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. uh Serena is going to be playing at the Indian wells uh tournament in California after what a fourteen year boycott.
3: Yeah, about 14 or 15 I'd have to I'd have to check that but the the news actually just came out um out this morning and uh it's a really kind of interesting fascinating story and when I talked to her 2 years ago she's you know she still was like I'll never play there again and the backstory real quickly was that um as often happened um earlier in the career uh she was playing her sister Venus in the semifinals and um you know, the stadium filled up, and at the last minute, and I think this is what aggravated or frustrated people, Venus pulled out with injuries. And there was a lot of booing. And, you know, is this, you know, was this set up by Richard, their father, to, you know, to ensure that Serena would make it to the finals without having to exert any, you know, energy? And when she played the finals, you know, talk you know, according to Richard and other people there, uh, they're all kind of racial catcalls and implications, and you know uh, Serena won the tournament, and then the the family swore they would never play there again. And uh, you know after the after the top four, of the, the Grand Slam tournaments, the Indian Wells and like the Miami Open are really important tournaments that are below that, that are tournaments that nobody skips. So for her to have skipped Indian Wells for, you know, the, the vast majority of her career as as the best player. Was a huge deal and was kind of um, an open wound on open wound on tennis. Just that this ugly event had happened and how 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 you know didn't seem to be any way to get past it. So, like I said, it just kind of broke today. So it's not really uh, you know Serena. If if your listeners are interested, wrote an essay about it that's in Time Magazine, which I think is also online, um, explaining the situation and why she thinks it was time for her to go back. But it is kind of as in her career, you know, even playing at her level, maybe has two, four years left. Um, it's it's really a nice rec- reconciliation for for the sport.
0: What is making her come back to Indian Wells?
3: Uh, I think just the passing of time, and then she talked about you know the issue of forgiveness, and um, that, that that I think that's main, mainly what it was, and that that she she had grown past it or, or grown past. The anger and that um, wanted wanted to play. Uh, you know what is considered outside of that event to be one of the great tennis tournaments of every year. And um, like I said, um, you should should check out the article because it's very eloquent and and more magnanimous than she's been about this issue in in uh, since it happened. I mean, she's been very. Before this, very I don't know if bitter is the right word, but very angry about it, and uh, very insistent that you would never play there. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal.
0: So enjoy your Tom Brady's, enjoy your LeBron James's, but uh, <laughs> also make sure to take some time to notice one of the greatest athletes ever in the the history of sport itself is playing right now. Make sure you catch Serena if you can. Stephen Roderick, thank you so much for being with us.
3: Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks.
0: Uh, this is really exciting that uh, this next gentleman is able to join us. Uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers, a uh, guy who's having a really interesting season, Kevin Love. Kevin Love, welcome to Home Dunk. Hi, John. Okay. Wow. That, that, that's not what I expect at radio.
1: I have sort of a timid voice.
0: Okay. Now, you were traded to the Cavaliers this year, and there was yeah. a lot of high expectations. Yeah. You are going to team up with LeBron James. You were going to be... Uh, I don't know the 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 Pippen 2 is Jordan and you guys were going to you're going to win it all. In a recent game you scored 5 points. It yeah. it just doesn't seem to be working out. What's going on? Well, I'm having a little bit of trouble in Cleveland. What's going on?
1: I don't know. It's a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought if I left Minnesota everything was going to be okay, but it, it's just been hard. Yeah. Well, it's hard to move to a different city yeah you know that could be a real troublesome I'm having trouble finding a condo that I feel real comfortable in
0: well, you know you you I, you have a lot of money. Couldn't you just find a condo and and live there? why does it why does it need to be so complicated?
1: Because home is where you you find your center, you know what I mean, and that's mm-hmm. where i'm that's what I'm looking for. So I'm having a little bit of trouble with that because I can't find a place that I really like to live in. Yeah, and then honestly, I thought LeBron James was going to make me feel like I was a superstar all the time.
0: Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and
1: it's hard. Yeah, winning games is hard.
0: It is hard. It is hard. But but this is what you wanted. You were in Minnesota for years, and you weren't winning. And and you know there was this feeling in Minnesota that that you kind of thought it was everybody else's fault that you weren't it winning. It was
1: everybody else's okay. fault, John. Okay, okay. I got a lot of double doubles in <laughs> Minnesota.
0: Yeah. Well, is that happening in Cleveland? Not as much. Okay,
1: it's a little bit harder because everybody wants the ball.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you've got Kyrie Irving, who is a, a point guard who takes a lot of shots himself. You got, he's
1: really fast.
0: He's really fast. You've got uh, LeBron James.
1: He's really good.
0: He's really good, and then uh, and now you've got Timofey Mozgov. Ah. Who they traded from from the Denver Nuggets. Are you getting along with Timofey Mozgov?
1: It's okay. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings the other week. We had a little bit of fun, but not as much fun as I thought we were gonna have. Me yeah. and Ricky Rubio had a lot of fun when we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I thought I wanted something different. I thought he wanted a title. But in reality, I just want to feel comfortable in my own skin.
0: You want your old condo back in Minneapolis. Yeah. And you want want Ricky Rubio. You want your friends.
1: Kind of. We had so much fun. We do bumper cars together all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, so where do we go from here? I mean, you are a a free agent uh, Uh. coming up. And the expectation was you'd go to Cleveland. You'd Uh. resign. You'd be part of a... A dynasty there and you'd stay in Cleveland forever.
1: I don't know if that's gonna happen. Really? Ugh. I burned all the bridges in Minnesota, so there's no way I'm going back there. Sure. Cleveland is pretty dreary.
0: Yeah, there's the rock and roll hall of fame.
1: Oh, have you ever been there? It looks like a no. spaceship crashed into the sidewalk. Oh, okay. oh thanks.
0: Okay, well so then wh- what, what are we
1: gonna go back to LA? That's where I'm from.
0: Well, you went to college there, yeah. I mean, you could go back. You're from Portland. You grew up oh, in yeah. Portland. You can you can go back there. I mean, you, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to play with Kobe Bryant on the Lakers? Kobe He's Bryant's really yeah.
1: I don't want to hang out with old guys. Old will hang out with guys my age.
0: Yeah, I don't know, Ke- Kevin. It just seems like you can't uh, you can't. Like, nothing's working for you. Like, you don't seem to have a plan for how you even could be happy.
1: No, oh, that's the problem. All I want to do is shoot three pointers and rebound. And the <laughs> Cavs are asking me to do other stuff. Arrgh! I want to shoot three pointers, rebound, and then go play laser tag.
0: Yeah, with your friends.
1: Yeah, I'm not having I'm not making a ton of friends in Cleveland, no.
0: Well, Kevin, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. Best of luck to you Thanks and a lot. Uh, you know, we'll just hope for the best.
1: Thanks a lot. Okay. See you later,
0: John. Bye. And Mike Fotis is back and Mike, the under 19 Icelandic badminton team has been selected. Oh, good. Do you want to hear the names? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Daniel Johansson, David Bjarni Bjornson, Christopher Dari Finson, Palm Goodfinson, Alda Karen Jons Arna Karen dot Harpa Hilmes here, and Sigridur Arnadottir. He went to high school with all those guys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> any Any surprises for you there? Well, the last, I'm surprised by the last guy. Yeah. But so, everybody me? else is pretty solid, yeah. honestly. No big surprises. I think it's a lady. Um,
0: Thank you so much to Mike Fotis. Home Dunk is produced by Nina Patak and is part of the Infinite Guest Podcast Network. More podcasts can be found at infiniteguest.org including another show that Mike and I work on called wits and including, uh, Oh gosh, a tiny sense of accomplishment with Sherman Alexi. Uh, you can hear secret skin with open Mike Eagle, who is the man responsible for the home dunk theme song. You can do all kinds of things. You can put all sorts of sounds in your ears and your ears need sounds. I'm John Moe Bye now.